So what, what is Square Kilometre Array going to do? Well, it's important to know that when we do astronomy, we don't just do it in the visible part of the, the electromagnetic spectrum. We don't just use the light that we can see with our eyes. There are many exhibits out in the hall there that use near-infrared data and um, X-ray data, for instance. And the Square Kilometre Array is going to actually work at what is radio wavelengths. Now, who has been watching the Stargazing Live this week on TV? And a lot of that's been filmed at Jodrell Bank, which is our very own radio observatory. And actually, Jodrell Bank has developed something called E-Merlin with many partners around the UK, which is what we class as a precursor instrument to what the Square Kilometre Array will be. And the, the massive amount of data that E-Merlin is now collecting is really paving in the way on how we're able to transport vast quantities of data and actually know exactly what time they're arriving so the, those bits of data are arriving at a central processing system. And this is one of the main challenges for radio astronomy in the future. We take so much data, but we, because we have dishes all over the place, E-Merlin is actually a, an instrument that operates from dishes in Cambridge, in Wales, in Manchester. And we have to link all that data together. And with the way we link it, we have to time when um, we detect an object very, very accurately. We use atomic clocks. So... Here's what the universe looks well, what's why our galaxy looks like at um, visible light. You see the Milky Way around the center there, the great band of dust and stars that we see in the visible light. But if we take a view of the radio waves coming from our, the sky that we can see, it looks completely different. And this is actually a picture of hydrogen gas in our own galaxy, which we can only detect. We can only detect neutral hydrogen gas um, that's not been ionized, not been excited in the radio wavelengths. And you see this, the galaxy is still very bright, but there's lots of other things that you can see, and there's streams of cold gas basically being stripped around our own galaxy and the halo of our galaxy. So it's important to look at radio waves. It gives us different information. It gives information on hydrogen in the universe, which is the fundamental building block of everything we see. And it also allows us to trace things like accreting black holes in the centers of galaxies, which produce very energetic jets of particles that emit in the radio wavelengths, and it also allows us to trace star formation. So there's many aspects of radio astronomy that are very useful for, us, for our understanding of the universe. And as we move into the SKA, it'll answer some of the biggest questions in cosmology. So like, what is dark matter? How much dark energy there is in the universe? We don't know what 96% of the universe is made of. 4% of the universe is what we can see. With the rest, we haven't got a clue about. We just call it dark matter and dark energy, for want of better words. And we really don't understand what it is. We just know it must be there from the effect it has on things we can see, like galaxies and stars and planets. So this is what an artist's impression of what the SKE will look like. It's a massive amount of dishes in a desert in, in Africa and partly in Australia. And just a quick movie. So it's going to be the largest radio telescope in the world. It's going to span thousands of kilometers across the continent of Africa. And part of it's going to be built in Australia, because it actually is, the SKA itself is a combination of three different telescopes. This is what we call the mid-frequency dish array. And it's using these dishes that light you see at Jodrell Bank. 
And there, there are going to be around 2,500 of those dishes spread across Africa, mainly in the Karoo in South Africa, the Karoo Desert in South Africa, but spreading into um, Kenya and Mozambique and Mauritius and various Ghana and various countries across Africa. There is another part that's going to be in Australia, which is the low-frequency part of that array, um, which is actually aimed at picking up the most distant reaches of the universe, where the universe went from the dark ages to the first stars and the first black holes switching on. And before those stars and black holes switched on, the universe was mainly composed of neutral hydrogen, which we can pick up at radio wavelengths. So this is the only way we can study the dark ages in the universe and the time when the first objects are starting to switch on, about 500 million years after the Big Bang. So why do we put this in Australia and South Africa? Well, this is what, if you actually took your radio and actually looked at what signals you're getting as a function of the frequency as you map through the frequencies on your radio, this is where, this is a sort of a map of those signals that you're picking up. And radio one is around that 100 megahertz bit there. And TV is around 900 megahertz. And that contributes a massive amount of noise to radio observatories. So if you've got a massive dish, you think what your sky dish at home picks up, it's about that big and it's picking up TV and radio signals and whatever. Think what a 70-meter dish will pick up in terms of the amount of noise from TV and satellites and radio. So we can't build a very good radio telescope in, massive, in places where there's massive population density. So building it in Europe is not a good idea. We're the most overpopulated continent <laughs> out there, apart from if you just take the bit of Asia that China is in. So, this is what Sydney looks like in that spectrum, as you'd expect. It's basically radio, radio 1, TV. Well, it's not Radio 1, it's Australian radio. But if you go to slightly north of Sydney and go to a place called Narrabri, where they have a radio observatory, then it gets a bit cleaner. You pick up less and less. And that's good for radio astronomy. But then you go to the most sparsely populated um, place on Earth, which is in Western Australia, population density of sheep and two dogs, and you get hardly anything. And population of four over what is roughly the area of Holland. <laughs> and that's great for radio astronomy. And you can put that into pictures. And this is basically the noise, man-made noise in the radio wavelengths. The bright bits in yellow is where all the noise is. That's where all the population is, mobile phones and satellite dishes and radio. You can see Europe is terrible. China's pretty terrible. The US is pretty terrible. If you go further south, you see very nice patches here and here. So what better place to put a massive radio telescope? So this is where it is going to be. It's called the Karoo Radio Astronomy Reserve. It's been protected by government for just astronomy, which means that companies like Shell can't go and frack <laughs> in this desert, which they want to but they're not allowed from, by a government restriction now. So there is shale gas in the Karoo, but hopefully they won't batter down to the government to an extent that they will start fracking and extracting shale gas, and we will be left to do a radio astronomy. And this is where one of the major components of the SK will be. So these, all these dots are the dishes. There's a core here, and the dishes spread out into Botswana, Mozambique, across Africa. And that's roughly the size of it. 
So that's 500 kilometers across there. So this, this is a massive scale project. And likewise, in Western Australia, so, okay, I lied, there wasn't four people, it's just 100 people in a place the size of the Netherlands. So, but there's quite a few sheep and cattle as well, but hopefully they don't chew through wires and wouldn't actually affect the radio observations. So these are the two places where this, is gonna, this project's gonna happen, this telescope's being built. What's it gonna do? Well, this is what it's gonna do, and this is how much it's gonna cost. <laughs> so, it's going to be built in two phases. The first phase should be operational by 2020. So all the young people in the audience that are thinking about maybe wanting to do astronomy, by the time you get to secondary school and maybe university, this thing will be in full swing and taking data. And it's splitting into two bits here. The low frequency bit, which I mentioned earlier, is going to be based in Australia. And this just is a bunch of aerials on the ground. You can pick up radio one with an aerial. Why can't you pick up radio waves from the universe with an aerial? That's exactly what it's doing. Rather than just having one, there's 250,000 of them. And they're spread over five to 10 kilometers in Western Australia. Then there's gonna be this dish array, which I mentioned, which is uh, in phase one, it's gonna be 250 dishes in South Africa and about 100 in Australia. And those together is gonna to cost about 650 million euros. And the main cost isn't in the dishes, isn't the metal that builds the dishes, the main cost is transporting the data from those dishes to a processing center and actually running computers that can handle the amount of data it's going to generate. So this is a massive computational task. Phase two, 2025-ish, this increases by an order of magnitude, a factor of 10. And they, then we get two and a half thousand dishes spread across Africa. What do you get for your money? Well, cost to be determined. Um, when I say it isn't a natural linear scaling from 650, it wouldn't be 6.5 um, billion, um, because what you've done already is trench out and built roads, you've built infrastructure already in phase one. So you're just adding to what's already there in phase two. But you have to increase the computational cost and the computational um, hardware you're using. So this is what the dish looks like. It's 13 and a half meters, not the biggest of dishes but it's got this weird structure around the side. It actually looks like the Lovell, um, slightly at Manchester, um, but it actually, it's the same design as um, the Greenbank Telescope in Virginia, but the Greenbank Telescope is um, 70 meter, 100 meters across, where these are 13 and a half meters across. There's just a lot of them. And like I said, the aerials look like that. Not very impressive. And but it's not very impressive, but it's gained a lot of interest from all around the world. So this isn't just a UK project. It's got partners in Australia, China, South Africa, many countries in Europe and Canada. There's one big country missing there that you may have noticed that the US is not involved in the SKA yet. So there's a reason why it's split into a phase one and a phase two. So what is the SKA going to deliver in terms of science? Well, I think it's fair to say the last century which some of you weren't even born in, um, we sort of figured out where we were in the universe. We sort of like, we're not the centre of the universe, there's galaxies out there, and we sort of got a pretty good picture. Hopefully, in this century, we'll begin to understand what the universe is doing and uncover what the key questions is in physics and astronomy. And when I say physics and astronomy, 
with the SK, we're moving from just studying how galaxies form and evolve. We're actually going to test things like general relativity, where black holes are inter interacting with something called a neutron star, and, and a neutron star that's emitting radio pulses, and that allows us to actually monitor how that pulsar acts around the, the, the gravitational pull of a black hole, and that allows us to test general relativity. We should also be able to take things called gravitational waves, which are also due to general relativity. Uniquely in the radio wavelengths, we can trace magnetic fields in the universe, and we can also do all the things you can hear about out there, about tracing the cosmological model of the universe, how much dark energy, dark matter, but also when the first galaxies formed, how they formed, and when we went, how we went from the dark ages to what we have now. So I'll stop there. And just to say that the UK plays host to the, the headquarters of the Square Kilometre Array. It's in Jodrell Bank. It's a very nice new building. And I encourage you all to go and visit Jodrell Bank as well as here. Uh, thank you.